Good morning. Could we bow our hearts in a, in a word of prayer? Father, this morning we, we come to you today. God, you know that we're going to be looking at the whole topic of healing. God, and I pray that in every row, I pray that in every seat, that you would minister. And where we need to be healed, we pray that you would heal us and really speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, I was driving along a main road in, in Bromley, and I was preparing to turn at the upcoming right. I was planning to visit a friend on a lovely, bright spring evening. So I looked into my rearview mirror, I put my indicator on, and I positioned to turn. And out of nowhere and to my horror, I saw a black Range Rover coming around the bend towards me at approximately 40 to 50 miles an hour. In a split second, several thoughts flashed through my mind, ranging from, oh no, I've lost my no-claim bonus. <laughs> what injury will I sustain from this impact? Don't tell me I won't be alive to see my daughters getting married. And how long after an insurance policy pays out does someone you love stop crying? As the Range Rover braked, it skidded towards my car and stopped inches from my car. After a few verbals, <laughs> why didn't you wait, he bellowed. And my response, you weren't in my view when I turned. Why did you come around the corner that fast? We agreed to disagree. But with all of my driving experience, I could not prevent a potential collision. You see, in my eyes, that was a sign of God's divine authority on the road. It was a miracle where God stretched forth his hand and protected me. It was a way for me to give thanks and to renew my faith in God. You see, the dictionary's definition of a miracle is an event that appears inexplicable by the laws of nature and so is held to be supernatural in origin or an act of God. John's gospel presents us with a series of signs and miracles that Jesus performs which point us to God. So as we examine these over the summer holidays, let's not, look, let's not let us look at these stories as just stories with predictable endings. But let's ask God to challenge our faith that maybe we too may experience signs and miracles in our lives. So today we will be looking at the miracle of the paralytic man and my aim this morning or this afternoon is to show how Jesus changed the situation and the life of a discouraged, paralyzed man. And in the process, I'd like to remind you that physical restoration is great, but spiritual restoration is even greater. Our scripture today is found in John chapter 5 from verse 1 to 15, and I will read. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is, in Jerusalem, 
Near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there and had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So let me set the scene for this miracle. The location. The location was Jerusalem. Three times a year, the Jewish families were expected to travel to Jerusalem for worship. And they would be thanking God for the harvest of the crops. They would be thanking God for the herd. And they would be be remembering the episodes of Israel's history. There's a good possibility that a paralyzed man lived in Jerusalem. And this is important because it shows that God knows where you live. It shows that God knows where you are at. And you don't have to be going running for a miracle. It shows that Jesus, by his grace, can bring a miracle to your life. Then there was the pool. The pool was called Bethesda, or House of Mercy. And it was situated at the north of the temple. In ancient times, it provided water for the temple. And there is an assumption that the pool had special powers because of the pool's association with the temple. And then there was the sheep gate. Now, the writer of the book of John was mindful that he wanted us to understand the spiritual significance of the, the, of the sheep gate. The sheep gate was a place where the sheep or the goat would walk through to be offered as a sacrifice for sin. The sheep gate represented something that was to come. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the one who takes away the sin of the world, providing spiritual healing in our hearts and bringing us into relationship with God. And then there was the paralyzed man. Jesus chooses to single out this man to perform a miracle. 
Though Jesus performed miracles for the crowd, he is equally interested in performing individual signs and miracles. So he zooms in specifically to meet this man's need. And I'm happy to say today that God is zooming in right where you are. And he knows your need. And I'm believing him for him to do a sign and a miracle in your life. You see, I would like you to consider the contrast between the miracle of the water turning into wine, which Charles discussed last week, and the healing of the, pathetic, of the paralytic man, as you know that we're looking at today. You may be forgiven for thinking that the circumstances surrounding the miracle last week at the wedding was perfect for Jesus. The bride was radiant. The groom looked handsome. The guests were happy, I believe too happy, the, ran, the, 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 water, or the wine ran out. It was an atmosphere of celebration. In contrast, the miracle of the healing of the paralytic man wasn't that clear cut. It didn't look like a miracle initially. And the atmosphere was one of gloom and disappointment. And there are many times that we are in circumstances when we are looking for a miracle and it doesn't look like a miracle where we are. I have hope for you that Jesus can perform a miracle right where you are. The paralyzed man knew that because of his disability, he would be considered socially outcast. His dignity was stripped away, and he might have even felt embarrassed by the condition that he was in. And how many times that we are in situations and we feel embarrassed. Someone calls and we don't answer. Because we are embarrassed or uncomfortable in the situation that we are in. I could only imagine the frustration this paralyzed man felt. All he was trying to do was to live a normal life as possible in his condition. With no savings or no disability living allowance benefits in those days. He had to depend on the kindness. He had to depend on the mercies of others to survive. Lamentations chapter 3 from verse 22 and 23 reminds us that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And what's the last bit? Great is thy faithfulness. Thank you. Every morning he would wake up. Knowing that the same old, same old, long, lingering problem would not go away. He was dealing with this problem for 38 years. In fact, he was dealing with this problem for 13,870 days. It was hard for him. Not seeing a sign or a miracle in his condition and still having to feel hopeful. And like this man, sometimes it feels like problems will never go away. Like that addiction or that challenging relationship with a son or a daughter or even a boss. The paralyzed man was tackling his problem in the same old, same old routine way. Somebody takes him to the pool. Somebody leaves him all day at the pool. Somebody picks him up at the pool, waiting for a push in the water by someone who's almost in the same situation that he's in. You see, the truth is, it had become a habit. It had become a pattern of life, a, be, a behavior that produced unproductive results. 
And similarly, if we are dealing with legacy problems, I call them, and challenges, we may need to trust God for new ways and strategies to win. We can't continue in the same routine. We can't continue in the same rut or the same rat race. You may have thought that those who were sick at the pool may have organized a strategic meeting at the pool. Trying to find out, is there an easier way that we can all get healed? And to add insult to injury, some people were coming after him, getting into the pool, getting healed, and leaving him where he was. How disappointing, how frustrating that was. You see, after a while, the same pool that was supposed to be a source of healing and encouragement started to be a place of discouragement. Faith was drained. You see, discouragement paralyzes. It has the ability to cause us to regress. So it's vitally important that you remember that Christ is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can think according to the power that works in us. God knows the plans he has for you. That's what he declares. He has plans for your welfare, your well-being, not for evil. God wants to give you a future, and he wants to give you a hope. The good thing is that Jesus comes to the pool. Jesus comes to the pool. And I pray today that Jesus will just come to your pool. He comes with the intention to bring about change. As Jesus saw him, he knew how long this man had been ill. And then Jesus asked the question, Would you like to get well? You see, we cannot hide from God. He searches our hearts. He knows every thought, every secret, every motive. Jesus asked that question, knowing that it would be painful for the man to answer. He knew that this man really wanted healing, but there were some implications when this man would be healed. You see, this man was comfortable in a long-standing way of life. And he knew that if he was healed, he would have to give some things up. He would have to give up the hospitality, the handouts, getting help. The props would be gone. And he would have to stand on his own. Well, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a, about a guy called Damien Preston Booth. You see, he was known as a super tramp. He was a beggar, but he just wasn't any beggar. He was a beggar with class. He was a beggar with style. He commutes 220 miles from his flat in Preston. And when he begs, he doesn't beg in Catford. He doesn't beg in Dungham. He doesn't beg in Lee, but he begs in Mayfair. He's the type of guy that uses a mobile card reader to take payments. And recently he was on holiday and he traveled to Abifa, Monaco, and Paris. And it is said 
that he made 4,500 pounds over a new year alone. You see, Damien probably started out begging to survive, to pay the rent. But now it was becoming a career. And sometimes we are in situations for longer than we would expect. This situation should be sorted out in a month. It should be sorted out in a week. But we are still there. The sad thing is, is that sometimes we, be, we become comfortable and we learn to cope in those situations. But God wants to get us out of that situation. So I just want to pause for a moment. And I really want to ask you a question. Do you want to get well? And you see, I know that most of you in the room will say, of course, yes. And it's not that I don't believe you, but I want to be sure. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask six questions. And I would like you to tell the person next to you which one of these questions is most difficult to answer. So, for instance, the six questions are going to come up, and I'm going to read them. If it's number one, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, number one is difficult to answer, or number five. Yeah? Is there anything in your life you're not willing to give up? Are you making right choices in your finances? is a reoccurring pattern in your life an indication that you are not willing to make a change? What relationships would you have to sever for you to be in a healthier place? How honest are you with yourself? How easy is it for you to compromise? Give the person next to you the answer, please. I hope there's no one in the room who says, I don't want to answer any. Okay. When the paralyzed man gave his reply to Jesus, he was full of excuses. I don't have anyone to put me in the pool, but that was not the question Jesus was asking. This man's situation was hopeless. But Jesus brought a hopeful message to him. The man's efforts were insufficient. But Jesus' solution was all sufficient. So Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. And the Bible says immediately the man got up. Immediately the man got well. He picked up his mat and started walking. There are four points that these verses bring out, and I'd like to encourage us from it. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. The first one is a fresh start. I'd like you to know today 
that the past is the past. Mistakes have been made. Lessons have been learned. The obvious miracle was that, th- that this man was able to do something that he was never able to do or did not do for a very, very long time. He was able to rise on the authority of the words of Jesus. And similarly, we must call out to our God, asking him to speak words into our circumstances that will bring about change. The second thing that we learn in these verses is that God brings strength in that situation that you are in. And there are times God wants you to stay where you are. And he wants you to fight. The Bible says, don't be afraid. Don't be paralyzed by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours. Who is it? It's the Lord's. Amen. And Jesus also wanted to convey a spiritual principle as well. And there are many times that we are not sensitive to what God wants to do. We were once blind. We were once lame and paralyzed in spiritual things. But thank God, he has made full provisions for us through his shed blood. And lastly, on that point, The proof of our spiritual health is us rising up and walking in Christ. So we must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Step by step, we're moving forward. Little by little, we must be gaining ground. And God wants us to grow in him. You can imagine how this man felt being healed. He may have thought, I can't believe this is happening to me. He was rejoicing and Jesus knew that this sign or this miracle was controversial and he knew that it would upset Jewish leaders. It's like you driving an old banger to church and the next day you come in, you come with a 16 BMW and your friend says, did you get that on credit? They should be asking God bless you, or saying that. It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. This is what the Jewish leaders were saying to this man when he was healed. No one said, you know what, it's so good that you are healed. And I know that if, if one of us were ill and we were away from church and you saw that person coming to church, what's the first thing you're going to say? God bless you. Good to see you. I'm so glad that you are healed. And that will show the love in your heart. But instead, they were not interested in his healing. The law had blinded their eyes. There was no grace. Everything was black and white to them. And sometimes life is not always black and white. Things get complicated. We need time to work things 
through. So we need someone with a heart of grace, a heart of understanding, a heart of flesh, a heart of mercy, someone with compassion. Jesus was saying, I'm here to bring healing to the complicated stuff in your life because I am a God of compassion. You see, the law of some of our challenges in our lives dictates that we must continue to struggle, that we can never get out of that situation, that we must pay for our mistakes. But I thank God that Jesus says that he fulfills the law and he paid the price. Later, Jesus found this man in the temple and he said to him, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. So Jesus meets this man again. This time it's not at the pool. The pool represented a place of physical healing. The temple represented a place of spiritual healing. Now Jesus was not dealing with this man's paralysis at this time. He wanted to deal with this man's sin. And I thank God that that's what he does. He helps us, he gets us on the way, and then he comes back and he does a bit more and he cleans us up and then he makes us fresh and he makes us ready for his purpose. Stop sinning with Jesus' word to the man or something worse will happen to you. What could be worse than being paralyzed? Well, I like to say, not being in relationship with our God or eternal separation from God. To put it another way, Jesus was showing this man that he enjoyed the joys of freedom from being free from being paralyzed. And what Jesus was saying, you can have the joys of freedom from being free from your sin. And I can do that for you. You see, this miracle shows us that this man was incapable of healing himself. He tried in his own efforts and the efforts of others. And like you today, Jesus can heal. And he can provide and he can do something great in your life. 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 4 says, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Whatever your land is, I have the assurance that we have a God of compassion who wants to perform a miracle in your life, who wants to meet your physical circumstances and those needs as well as your spiritual needs. If you are here today and you need a touch in your body, I'm happy to say that you are in the right place. Jesus can heal you. And if you know that your relationship with God is broken, but you know what you're saying, Steve? I want to put it right. I want to ask you to ask God, to heal you. I'm going to close as the way I started. Physical restoration is great, but spiritual restoration is greater. God bless you.